Hey y'all, hey, welcome to Where's My Blueprint Podcast, where we talk about all things adulting, our experiences as three Black women on this amazing journey of living our best life, trying to support each other as we figure out this ghetto world of adulting. I am joined by my amazing co-host, Nay and Sunny D. Hey honeys, I'm Nay, your virtual homegirl who thoughts on almost any and everything. Also, full-time parent, and sometimes you may hear my little one in the background of this podcast. Lo siento, I am sorry. To me, adulting is a game of whack-a-mole. Once you think you have one thing conquered, something else pops right up. Hey everyone, it's Sunny D. And to me, adulting is choosing to be your best self while that laundry piles up and the dogs chew on your good shoes. Yo, this is your girl, Nakai, and I'm your host of Where's My Blueprint Podcast. I randomly burst out in song, Love Ice, and think adulting is a beautiful storm of I get to do what I want to do mixed with what the hell did I sign up for? Thanks for joining us. Now let's get to the episode. Hey, welcome back to Where's My Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver entertaining, educational, and some inspirational thoughts and comments all about adulting. We want to give our special shout out to all the social workers, child life specialists, and of course, all women this month, as we thank you every day, all day, for making an impact and difference. Every day you show up to work, every day you wake up, we just thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey ladies. So you know we have our question of the week every week. So this week's question, has your idea of happiness changed from your 20s compared to now? Mine definitely have. I had this idea in my 20s about stuff and all the things that I want to have and places I want to go and all those kind of things. And now in my mid-30s, it's very much how I want to spend my time and the life experience that I want to have as opposed to the stuff that I want to acquire. Same here. In my 20s, in my 20s, I used to think happiness was like being around a lot of people, having like more people around you, going to parties, like, you know, like quote unquote, being lit every day or every weekend. Nah, in my 30s, my happiness is filled with me, meaning like I need to be happy with myself first and then happiness will pour out all around me. But I've also noticed like, and I don't know if it's for y'all ladies, but like sometimes you're the happy moment could be from something so silly or like something so what others would classify as like what or small like I'll use the example of Nay and I had a conversation and in that conversation for me it was happy because we were literally laughing and giggling it was like some deep moments and then it transitioned to like nah this <laughs> like all this extra stuff but it was like that moment or that conversation was so happy that it overflowed into my the rest of my day most definitely and I think to piggyback in from what I heard summarize what y'all said in my 20s I felt like I was chasing happiness like not really knowing what that meant to me but trying to grab a hold of what society and my friend group thought happiness was but in third in my 30s I think I stand 10 toes down and unapologetically I like no these are the things that make me happy if it's celebrated if it's widely regarded I don't care because this is what brings me joy and happiness and a smile to my face and that's all that matters so yeah it sounds like we 
reached our DGAF <laughs> era of our lives. And I love that for us. All right, either or for the week. So either do what you love for free and never be monetarily compensated for it or make a million dollars a month doing something you don't enjoy for the rest of your life. I'm going to take a million dollars a month for the rest of my life. Assuming that what I have to do that I don't like only takes me an hour a week and I can spend the rest of my time doing stuff that I love and not have to worry about money. So while Nakai is thinking, I'm going to go with do what I love for free and never be monetarily compensated for it. Because if you are a person like myself who thinks semantics matter, notice I said monetarily compensated. So you can be compensated in housing, lodging, food budget, like all of the perks and benefits, but you're not receiving a paycheck paycheck pay stub, but you are getting yourself fulfilled and you're doing something you love. And to me, that means more than clocking in, even if it is for an hour or three hours a day, because let's be honest, most people only work three hours in a hour work shift. But we don't want to talk about it. And making a million dollars, if I'm unhappy and I have to do that five days a week or six or seven days a week, I don't want it. So I choose do what I love for free and never receive a W-2. So you are correct. Semantics matter because that's where my thinking face came from. Because I was like, okay, she said monetary compensated. So are you paying for, because I mean, when we think about it, some people are doing some things and they get paid, quote unquote, under the table where you don't receive a W-2. Or I'm like, okay, so are you, are my benefits great? Am I working from home? Like, am I able to, like, are you paying for all this other stuff where then now I'm able to do all this for free? And hell, let's be even real. Like, if I do all this, that in my mind, that means I have a partner that is bringing in the money that... I don't even have to worry about it because we are set, right? So I'm going back and forth of like, "Mm, technically, there's some other things with this one. The million dollars a month, part of me is like, yes, let's do it. The other part is like, I got to figure out this tax code because when you get to that part of you making a million a month, you got to be spending a lot more just because of taxes. And I'm probably going too deep with this because that's my brain. But (laughs) I'm going to say if I just have to pick um, doing something I love for free because I know I'll be compensated in a different way. Girl, that was a good either or. Uh, (laughs) So y'all know we do a quote of every single episode. And so for today's quote is far too many women are hesitant and remain trapped in jobs for which they are overqualified or paid beneath their worth. And that is by Janet Porter, Janet Street Porter. Y'all, what are y'all thought? Amen, amen, amen. I don't know why. Well, I'm going to take that back. I do know why societal rules and norms, but I was going to say, I don't know why women are hesitant and lack the confidence to go after what they are worth and what they want. But once again, societal norms and society in general, but yeah, they, we be drinking the Kool-Aid on what we can and cannot do and what we are qualified to do. Meanwhile, there is some mediocre, no offense, white man who is vastly underqualified doing million dollar work that he has no idea how to do. And it's probably some person of color who he's riding on the coattails of. So yes, I think this quote is accurate and it's sad to me that it's accurate. I agree. I think it's very accurate. I don't know the 
specific numbers, but I know statistically speaking, the majority of women will not apply for a position that they desire or think that they want to have if they feel they don't meet 100% of the requirements. But men will apply for positions they know they don't qualify for. And they put in their resume expeditiously, quickly, immediately, proudly even, go on these interviews and bullshit their way to it and then get hired. And now we have to work for people that are dumb and unqualified and ridiculous. So yeah, this is very, very accurate. Sunny D, you make such a great point just about how like white men will apply and they would really ask for whatever they want. I had a friend that um, she was in the military and they were hiring contract workers, right? She said the one that they wanted was obviously a white guy, but um, he literally was like, okay, I'm coming. I'm negotiating a job for my wife. And they were like, no, that's, that's not on the table. And he was like, yes, it is. If you want me, you you will find a job for my wife. And they were like, well, what is she, what can she do? Long story short, not only did he get his pay, which was 180, right? He got a job for his wife where they found her an admin job. Her starting was 58. So now you have a $200,000 household and they had to pay for his relocation. They had to make sure that he was off a certain time. Both of them were off at certain times to pick up their children. And that's the thing of like asking for what you want, because this man knew what he needed. Ask for, I mean, I think of like, is it the audacity of you to ask for these things? Or do you just know like you're entitled to them? You know, so it's like, man, but also going back to your point, it is like, yes, black women, we need to ask. Stop, stop leaving so much on the table, if that makes sense. The crazy thing is I ain't even mad at him. Like I strive to have the audacity of a middle-aged white man, period, because society is not built for me to get access to the things that I would audaciously request or demand, but who knows? The Lord might put it on somebody's heart to, you know, bless me and everything else. Hey, you're making me think. Okay. But maybe the good Lord will bless me, will bless somebody with the soft heartedness to grant me my demands and my requests. But yeah. That is who I aspire to be in my future. So listeners, a part of adulting and life in general is money. As women in America, in American society, we get paid 82 cents for every dollar a man earns, according to the 2020 data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Oh, and it gets so much better. I say that sarcastically if you can't hear it in my voice. As Black women are paid approximately 64 cents for every dollar a white man earns, according to Jessica Mason, National Partnership for Women and Families Personal Communication, September 2022 document. So let's chat about our experiences with the pay gap and how we as Black women can decrease this pay gap in a practical way for not only ourselves, but also every other, every other big or small Black girl in society. For me, this frustrates me of just knowing like just because of the color of my skin and the genitalia I was born with, I get paid paid so much less, right? But then we just did an episode of us being born female have what we call menstrual cycles, which equates to probably even, it's not even an equate. It's like, what was it, $1,300, round up to $1,400 just on products that we need, but we get paid so little. And that's just frustrating to me. That was definitely frustrating. But before we get too far into the weeds, for all of our listeners who are unfamiliar with the term pay gap, if you are, how dare you? But this show is all about grace and mercy. So 
Will do. Um, pay gap, or and specifically the gender pay gap, gap is defined according to me as the outlandish thought and practice that it is okay for a woman to get paid less than her male counterpart for doing the same job when all experience slash education is comparable. And oftentimes the woman does a better slash more effective job in the role. Sips tea. But for all of y'all who like to have a little bit more finesse and backing behind your definition. The Cambridge Dictionary definition of gender pay gap is the difference between the amounts of money paid to men and women, often for doing the same work. I like your definition <laughs> because to me it's real and it's like, it truly is outlandish. And I don't, I just, it's, this topic frustrates me so much on so many levels. And I don't know about y'all too. But have y'all like ever experienced anything of like when you found out like, oh, I make this amount and then you find out what somebody else make and you got questions? See, in prepping for this episode, it kind of left me at a loss because I work primarily in the human slash social social service sector where the majority of the positions are women. So it left me the belief to wonder, have I been affected by the gender pay gap or is most of my discrimination based on the racial pay gap? Meaning that the white women are getting paid more than my black self, as opposed to men getting paid more than my female self? That's a good question, Nakai, because I don't recall, quote unquote, discovering that a male colleague was paid more than I did for the job that I have. To be fair, the majority of the work that I've done over the course of my life, i.e. since I was 17, has been in retail. And people in retail, unless you like own said store or business or are in management, uh, you don't really get paid that much anyway. (laughs) So I don't really have much to compare that to. But now that I've kind of dabbled in corporate America a bit more, I feel like it may be leaning more towards what Nay has mentioned is I don't, I didn't necessarily work in an, an environment that was mostly female, but it does make me wonder what that looked like between women that were non-melanated and women that look like me. Yeah. I want to say one of my experiences was in Nay's and I last job. Um, one of the guys that I used to work with, me and him were taking a stroll around the building because, you know, we needed to walk. And yes, as she already told y'all, it was in human services. And so we were taking a stroll. And then mind you, I have a master's degree. He has a bachelor's. So we were talking like, oh, because we started our cohort together. So we're talking blah, 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 blah. And then I kind of asked like, oh, well, how did your negotiations go when you started? And he told me everything, like how much he makes, what he negotiated and all that. And I was like, again, like they said earlier, I'm, I love that he had the audacity to negotiate. And I love that he had the audacity to really be like, nah, if you want me, this is what you're going to pay me. But all the other um, all the other um, things he negotiated. But while walking, I'm like, OK, interesting. And I'm like, wait. So this whole entire time, I thought he had a master's because from what was communicated to me when I had to negotiate for mine. And I mean, it was negotiation like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But he only did one round of negotiation. Right. And so I'm like, wait, you did one round of negotiation. I had to do like three. 
Like make it make sense, one. And then two, I'm like, you are literally getting paid. And I have to realize like, okay, yes, sometimes we have to look at experience because his experience was very extensive. But my thing was like, how did you make X amount when you have people who are in this position who has been in this position way longer than you and you're making more than them? And you came in like, hey, pay me this or I'm not going to be here. So this is what boggles my mind when you talk about negotiations because that is a whole new concept to me. And I say that because in my recent career change that happened last year and in preparing to pull the trigger and really like take a leap of faith and do something way bigger than I'd ever done before. In doing all that research and how to prepare myself for interviews and really to put myself out there and market myself as a qualified candidate, blah, blah, blah. There was a lot of talk about how to negotiate and things like that. And I'm like, to me, negotiate. People negotiate. And I know I really wasn't aware that that was a thing that was even possible to do. Mind you, I'd also had come from a long list of customer facing sales positions. So that's not really in retail, mind you, is not really a thing. So it wasn't on my radar. And I firmly believe that a lot of the, maybe not a lot, but some of the pay gap issues that happen between the genders, definitely because women don't know it's a thing. And if they know it's a thing, they have no clue how to do it and how that process goes. And I'm so grateful for the people that I discovered in my own research and how much they were advocating for this is how you negotiate and actually giving like examples on how to do that, giving you language on what to use and how to respond and things of that nature. Because had I not come across those things, I don't know if I would have been prepared for the position that I'm in or have the compensation that I do now. And that negotiation is a very, very key thing to be aware of and really understand when we're trying to close that gap. So a couple of thoughts have been sparked. First and foremost, shout out to all my people out here who are breaking down that taboo of discussing your salary amongst your peers. Because listen, these companies, these companies want you to be ignorant and unaware. They want you to not know what the next person is making. So they can provide that discrepancy between the salary. So kudos to everybody who are like, no, this company is going to look out for themselves first and foremost. So we as the workers need to look out for not only ourselves, but each other. Sis, how much you making? Bruh, what you come in as? Like, that is how you build a coalition so that everybody can get paid equitably. Number two, in negotiation, since that is a new phenomenon to me as well, Sunny D, do you negotiate for what you feel you are worth or do you negotiate for however much it will take you to live comfortably in your world. I say that because in my household, once again, I told y'all this all the time. I'm blessed that I don't have to work. My salary is basically our trip money and to pay off this debt that came from moving to a foreign country. But in the job that I currently have, I hit all of the metrics on the target level salary. So I did say, hey, you offered me this. How about you bump it up to the highest that this position was offered as in salary? Now, granted, they somehow negated to tell me that they didn't have 
well negated to put on the form that they didn't have that money. So they lying. Once again, sometimes these companies be lying in how much money they have for your position. They ain't really got all that money. They just trying to get the people who have the most education and experience into the ballpark so that they can get them in the door. But I digress. So yes, to loop it back, do you negotiate for how much your day-to-day costs or do you negotiate for how much you feel like you are worth? So that's a great question. And for me, I do both. Meaning, I first and foremost, I want to say kudos to both of y'all young ladies for starting to negotiate. Because I think I said this in a previous episode, like when we first started of like, if it wasn't for that HR lady who took me down and was like, no, sis, you, you need to negotiate. Like, I don't think I would be negotiating as much as I do now. But when you... I think about like when I negotiate, I negotiate for, yes, what am I worth and how much value I'm about to bring to your company? And then two, is this a livable wage? Meaning if I'm negotiating, I already know, like I'll ask the question, well, what is your range for this position? And if you tell me that range, okay, well, that range is minimum. I'm bumping up that 15,000 because I already know we're going to end up going back and forth. Okay. (laughs) I mean, it can, they can be like, okay, yes, 15, let's go. But then I also think of just negotiation in life, specifically if we're in real estate. If you take my first offer, that means I left money on the table, if that makes sense. So, and I have to, I want to stress this specifically to all my black women. We leave so much money on the fucking table. Stop leaving money on the fucking table. And it's not even the money. It could be you can negotiate hey, I need Fridays off and that's it. Maybe it's not like, maybe money isn't the best thing. Maybe it's something that you want to do is work remote. Okay, yes, I understand that if I work remote, I'll take a $5,000 pay cut. I'm okay with that because I need to be remote and be with my family. You know what I mean? Like understand, like really write down what y'all want out of these positions and understand like, yes, we're looking at pay, but sometimes that pay gap is equal to, I have two kids at home. I It would cost me more to put them in daycare than it would for me to be at home with my kids. So we need to look at the whole entire scope of that. I mean, Nakai, you preaching all of the sermons. That's something that's really important to keep in mind because... Like you said, it's not all about money. Like the things that are valuable don't always have a dollar sign attached to them. And the negotiations absolutely can include, you know, shorter days or working, you know, longer days, four days a week and having that Friday off, like you mentioned. Um, I know you were very advocate about your four tens on a regular. I remember those conversations because you were adamant about your three-day weekend. And those things are important because that's the stuff that you value, which is time and that you can't get back. You can always make more money. But one of the things that I wanted to mention and to bring up, like for me, my personal experience with negotiation, I wrote down three different salaries. So I had a range. I wrote down my absolute bottom line. That's that's what keeps the lights on. That's what keeps us fed. That's what allows us to have clothing and, you know, housing and all those things. Those are the basics of the basics. That's bottom line, maybe eating out a couple times a week or whatever. Then I have my acceptable range and that's all of my necessities and some things that I want to do, being able to travel, being able to save, being able to, um, you know, save for a house, invest, things like that. And then I had a stretch salary, which encompasses all of those things and some extra extras. You know what I mean? Definitely allowing to, you know, take a trip every quarter, every other month or something like that. So I had those three ranges and that was 
was one of the things in looking for different positions and speaking with different recruiters that I always kept on a sticky note in front of me while I was having these conversations because I didn't want to lose sight of A, what I was worth and the skill set that I have and the stuff that I freaking need to like live a life that I didn't ask for because I ain't birthed myself. Okay. So now I got to be over here surviving. So that's the things that I did. And that was very, very helpful advice that I had gotten. And it also reminded me of a post that I saw about a recruiter who actually stopped an interview that she was having with a candidate and took her offline for a second. I don't know if she like faked a tech issue or whatever, but somehow she stopped it and she was like, hey, yo, you asking for too little money and actually coach this candidate on what to ask for just based off her, you know, experience and kind of their conversations that they had. They're like, yo, this is a budget. This is what you should ask for. And was able to coach this candidate and being able to get like, I think it was, I don't know, maybe $30,000, $50,000 more than what she was asking. And she was like, bitch, you asking for too low. You are worth more money than this. And the fact that she took her, I almost risked her job in a sense because recruiters don't really be doing that for the most part, but took her offline and was like, yo, you deserve more money and this is what you should ask for. That was a major thing in this one candidate's life. And if she did it for this one candidate, I know she does it for other people that she deems worthy. Both of these women were Black. This was a Black recruiter and this was a Black candidate. And I was, I mean, I gave all the kudos and the comments and everything everything because that's not something that is done very often or at least is known very often and I think the conversations need to be more transparent and they need to happen more often for sure negotiation is a big big thing so I'm a detour for two seconds and I mentioned this last season, but I feel like it bears repeating. Ladies and gentlemen, I know we are talking about negotiations and getting paid what you worth and it's big celebratory, whoop-de-whoop-whoop. You might, you know, get your bearings. We gassing you up. But at the risk of sounding like Uncle Ruckus, if you do not have the experience, if you do not have the skill set, do not show up on Beyonce's green earth and ask these people for more money. If you ask ask somebody for my money. I need you to pull up your qualifications. I need you to put examples of what you did in a previous position. I need you to come prepared. Don't be showing up just because you black, you hear black women leave money on the table thinking you're going to get 10, $15, well, 10, $15,000 percent cents more just because of those things. We are talking about if you are qualified, if your experience, your bona fides, your abbreviations, alphabet behind your name matches what that salary that you are requesting says. Other than that, you sit there and you shut up and you do that interview and you be thankful that they even want to give you a job coming in here acting crazy. I know I said have the audacity of a military white man, but listen, boo-boo, I have the qualifiers to back that up. If you don't, like Kendra said, sit down, be humble. Well, all right. Oh, <laughs> I love all that. One thing I thought about what you said, Sunny D, um, going back to like the pay gap is how you use, and I know your story. So if you don't want me sharing this, please tell me, stop me now about TikTok and how like, about how like you were going on TikTok and Instagram and using your resources, using social media. And I was just thinking, I was like, I know all these HR people are pissed at all these people who were telling like on TikTok, it was like a whole entire phase where people in every single, um, I don't want to say every single, but a lot, it was more so corporate America and tech were literally sharing their salaries. They were sharing how much they made because of this pay gap. They were like, well, it's not fair 
care that I'm 25 years old coming in making 125,000 and then someone who's a person of color who's older with more experience they dropped them down to 80 like it was so mind boggling that the one just the discrimination but the huge pay gap and I was like I know HR is like pissed but you can be pissed with when people basically inform themselves. They start to educate themselves, right? And then I thought about something because the story that you said, and one of this, one of my um, friends said this quote, and I was like, "See, another example of this." So the quote is by Jay Labati, and it's she said, "Black women are angels. Anytime you need something, they just come on through in the nick of time." And when you just said this story, I'm like, I whatever lady this was. I want to give you kudos for taking that lady offline. Ashley's telling her, hey, you are leaving money on the table, sis. Like, no. And I think about that because I'm like, with all the negotiations I had to do, and not just that, but like, just thinking of like, for instance, my sister has been like going back and forth. And I think y'all, I talked about this at another episode, but my sister's been going back and forth with applying for positions and she just got one. But I was like, nah, you need to negotiate. She was like, nah, they bump me up to what I want now. you need to negotiate. And she was like, well, what do I negotiate? I said, what do you want? And so she was like, well, I don't know if they'll pay. What do you want? So like, I'm, and I told her, I was like, at the end of the day, a company has the money. They're going to look out, like they said, for themselves. If I can get an amazing candidate in here and pay them half of much of what I was going to pay them, I'm going to do it. Why? Because that's business sense. But then you have to look at it like, I know that, but because of this huge pay gap, I'm asking Technically, I'm requiring, if you want me, these are my requirements. That's it. That's all. If you can meet, if you can meet them, cool. If you can't, your fault. Because honestly, I'm fucking awesome. So this also reminds me of a post that I saw in opposition of this recruiter. She essentially went on, and it seemed as though this was like, maybe it was supposed to, I think her intention was to bring awareness or to help, but like the way in which she did it was kind of trash low key. So essentially she was like, you know, she just had a candidate accept this job. I can't remember what the numbers are. So for sake of math for like 80,000. And she was like, the actual range for this position was like up to 120. And she accepted it for like 80. And she was like, it's not my responsibility. It's not my job to coach you on how to negotiate. Like she could have gotten a higher salary because that's what their range was. And they were prepared to pay someone well over six figures for this position. But she was cool at taking like 80K. She was like, it's not my job to teach you how to negotiate. So before you get into, um, you know, an interview or you start looking for jobs, like know your worth and know how to negotiate and blah, blah, blah. It was kind of a weird backhanded attempt at helping or bringing awareness to the importance of negotiation. When I tell you they dragged her clear across the internet because bitch, what? Like, why would you say that? Number one, maybe it wasn't in your position or in your thought process to do what this other recruiter did and like stop the conversation, take you offline and be like, yo, you should ask for X, Y, Z. But in my experience of job hunting and stuff like that, my first conversation 
was with the recruiter directly. That could have been an opportunity for y'all to talk about and discuss and all those kind of things before you get moved up and bumped up to actually interviewing with a hiring team, whatever that looks like for whatever that job is. So yeah, people were like, see, this is the problem. Like we're trying to bring awareness and we're trying to help people understand what their worth is and, and understand how to get these jobs that will allow you to take care of your bare necessities of life. And you have people like this that just let the stuff happen. So like this candidate took this job and maybe that was maybe, you know, $10,000 more than what she was making before. Maybe that helped out a little bit. But the fact that it could have exponentially changed her life and you said nothing, like she got absolutely dragged for that. And I was all in the comments, I'm going to tell you. So ladies, y'all sparked once again, something in my brain. When we're talking about these pay gaps, pay discrepancies in the negotiation practice, if your company cannot negotiate your salary, but they offer a one-time bonus, a quarterly bonus, extra vacation days, I need you to research that company because you might fall into a company like the one that I work for. So they offer quarterly or every so often monetary bonus for your first year in various increments, as well as sometimes you get a time off award. What they don't tell you is those monetary bonuses, they are taxed. So you might think you're getting a bonus of 10K, but you ain't taking home 10K. So in situations like that, it might be more lucrative and more beneficial for you to take that time off award. Because that's a free day. You ain't taxing no free day. So also take into consideration and do your research on what these incentives actually mean and the fine print of these incentives. Absolutely. Because even those jobs that have sign-on bonuses and stuff like that, a lot of them, depending on the industry, depending on the type that it is, depending on the company, will require you to sign a waiver, contract, or something that says that you have to work for them for a certain amount time or you have to pay back that sign-on bonus. So if that's not something that works in the scheme of your lifestyle or whatever it is that you need outside of work, that's something to keep in mind because if you can only be there for six months or six months from now something happens and you can no longer work, that 10,000 sign-on bonus, you got to pay that back. So keep those things in mind too. Maybe that's not something that is as important to you as you think it is. And like May said, maybe you need an extra week of vacation or something like that. Like those things are definitely something to research. And I also think about like, and I don't know if this has happened to y'all, about moving up or changing jobs within the same job, if that makes sense. So within, sorry, within the same company. So transitioning jobs jobs, but you're in the same company, but you're moving jobs, right? So this just recently happened to me. And (laughs) y'all, when I say I was so pissed the way they did their quote unquote pay scale or the what their offers. So I was working I'm, the company I'm working for now, I started off part-time and then went full-time. And so applied to like several positions. One position, when we started to go negotiation, they were like, oh, well, from your part-time rate to this full-time rate, that's like a 60% increase. You should be happy. Yes, we're leaving. We're going to leave this pause in. But <laughs> y'all, the looks on these lady faces is like this side eye so hard because that's the look. And I know that's the feeling I gave to them with my response via email of 
thank you. I would really want to know that if I was an outside candidate, would this be the same offer that you would give them? Because my qualifications are over. I am overqualified for this position. The fact that I am negotiating means that I really would like to do this position, but you're not going to lowball me. So again, my question is, if I was an outside candidate, would this be the same? She said in response, oh, let me take it back to my supervisor or the hiring manager. Cool. All right. So in the midst of them uh, in that position, I'm applying for other positions. And so position that I'm actually in now, we're going back and forth, final interviews. They tell me the price or the offer. That doesn't sit well with me. This is my uh, offer. I mean, you can take it back to your manager or you can let me know. I have three other offers on the table. Please let me know so we can figure out something by the end of this week. The first one that literally was like, oh, the 60% increase came back with like, oh, well, my HR said, no, we can't move. Okay, thank you. Have a good day. I don't need to, we don't need to talk anymore. And then the position that I'm in now literally came back with two $2,000 more than what I offered or what I counted offered. And I'm like, okay, cool. Thank you. Let's keep going. And so I took that position, but I'm like, it was so interesting of like me processing this. And I actually processed it with one of my homeboys and my homeboy made this perfect statement. And sometimes you just got to love men, right? Because the way they think is so different. <laughs> he was like, if they really wanted you, they would have negotiated. But he said, because you were, they saw that you were, they didn't care what quote unquote you um, were bringing to the table. They knew that they could lowball you because you were coming from a part-time position. And they looked at, oh, she makes this part-time. If we put her full-time, she should be happy because now she's full-time and she's making a lot more. But he was like, the thing is that they underestimated you and they didn't know who they were fucking with because you was like, because he was like, Nakai, you will be quick to be like, nah, that's not going to serve me. So goodbye. And so the lesson in this, because I feel like I'm getting along with it, but the lesson in this, y'all, is understand your worth. But if you need, and I get it, if you need a job, take that job, do what you need to do to make ends meet. But understand that this pay gap is bigger than the three of us, if that makes sense. It's bigger. Like it's bigger than what we can, I, I don't even know the word for it, but it's this is a massive issue because for POC, we are getting so much, the, the amount of money that we aren't even being offered is like a slap in the face, but the amount of qualifications and requirement doesn't equate. So somebody please help me make it make sense. And I'm up. Girl, it don't make sense. And I don't know who can make it make sense because one plus one is currently equal in five. And we all know that's a lie. But in talking about the different experience and even, you know, the different and qualifications. I know a lot of times these sectors are getting more computer generated and everything. So my question is, if they are computer generating these offer letters of salaries, are those unbiased or are there still some biases in the computer factorization? Like you say that, oh, I'm plugging in your experience in the computer. I'm plugging in, you know, your educational background. I'm plugging in all of that. Are you still getting the same thing you would get if Timothy Smith, you plug the same things in for Timothy Smith. Is that the same? 
Or is there some unknown biases that we don't know of, hence unknown, that are generating different salaries for women in POCs and POC women? Man. So I definitely think there's still some biases. I feel like technology, this is what, like, it's so ingrained because the people that build these systems or build, you know, the software that auto generates, blah, blah, blah. Like these are coming from people with specific experiences, specific mindsets that aren't universal. Okay. And so indirectly, like these systems do have some sort of a built-in bias within them. And I, man, listen, I did a lot of research when I was um, taking this leap of faith and switching jobs last year because Lord knows I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't want to fuck it up. (laughs) I'll be real with you. I did not want to mess it up. And I came across a few different posts that were essentially saying something similar. Like the emphasis was how to do your resume and specifically the language and the wording that's used when you do your resume because recruiters are get they're going through thousands and thousands of resumes for multiple positions because recruiters aren't just trying to fill one position. They usually have a handful that they're working with and they're they're coming through a lot of candidates. So are they going to read your three-page resume? Fuck no. They're not going through that. They're spending a good two, three minutes max on that and they're looking for certain words and certain skill sets and things like that, right? So knowing how to formulate your resume and how what language to actually use will trigger these things. Because when those generated rejection letters or whatever come back, it's because you have certain words within that document that they're looking at that tells whatever the system they're using that you don't qualify for. And a lot of people do not know that. If you think recruiters are sitting there reading hundreds of resumes, you are mistaken. And the ones that they do get have already been through a system because it goes through a system first, checks those those buzzwords. And if you don't have it, you're not even getting seen at all from anybody except this system. You're like a human is not looking at your resume. So it's really important to know, depending on the experience you have and depending on the role that you're looking for, the industry that you're wanting to be employed in, to know what keywords and what phrases the systems are going to be picking up that will get you passed on to a human being. Because those things are absolutely built with some sort of bias in mind. And most people, especially people of color, don't have that education and they don't know about that particular skill set. No, you are correct. And this is the gem that I want to share with everybody because this is what I use when I was um, doing a lot of my job search is, and I may say this wrong, so whatever. It's called like job analytics or job analytics or something. You, It's like a plugin you can put on your actual computer and every single job you apply for, you upload your resume and it will automatically do a whole entire um, percentage of like, hey, your percentage is like 50%. And what you are aiming for is 83 to 80, 83 and above. Because if you can get past that 83 quote unquote percent, then that means whatever um, job you're looking for, whatever company, they're going to automatically pull it because you're over 50%. And so, but you don't want to just be like at 60, you got to go over. But I love this because it literally tells you, I mean, word from word, it tells you like, hey, these are the common words 
words. This is not in your resume. Like you have these, you need to add these. They won't tell you the phrases, but what you'll do is it'll highlight like if it says um, KPIs. Okay, you don't have KPIs in there, but it'll highlight on the job, the job, what is it called? Job description. From that job description, what will happen is you just go back in. If it says KPIs, understand how to implement KPIs in a data uh, company. Okay, put that on your resume. Copy and paste. Understand how to do KPIs in a data company. <laughs> like, I feel like we need to, we haven't, let me rephrase. I feel like we are in this transitional period where we are truly transitioning to where the old shit don't work. Like Sunny D said, these three or five page letters and cover letters, we ain't dealing with that because you got to think of the people who are actually in these positions. You have these millennials, you have these younger people in these positions. So like one of my friends who's a, a director, she was telling me like when any, when resumes come across her desk, unfortunately, life is life. It's real life. If it's long, she automatically doesn't read it. But she says the ones that automatically get interviews are the ones that are bullet point, concise, and to the point. Because she said, and I, and I thanked her so much for this because I had to redo my whole entire resume. But I thanked her because that makes sense to me of like what I want to, when I was doing interviews and um, when I worked in healthcare, I unfortunately, if your resume was three pages long, half my team wasn't going to read that. Like they were not going to sit and read it because we are literally on the floor. We're dealing with patients. We have meetings. We have all this. So the, the faster I can skim your resume, the faster you're going to get an interview. That's a gem for y'all. Y'all welcome. The link will be in the blog. And guys, if y'all need a place to start, um, here's a place to start. Don't only do this, but like I said, place to start. When you see these job descriptions, tailor your resume to the description. If it says must have experience in X, Y, and Z, if you have the experience, put that line in your resume. That way it's a direct correlation one-to-one and companies in the computer software ain't trying to figure out, well, they said this, but do they really mean this or that? that? Like Nakai said, people are looking for things to be concise. A lot of times, if you don't know, here's another fun fact. People are reading your resume 10 to 15 minutes before your interview. They ain't got time to be reading 17 pages, 15 or 10 minutes before your interview. They are skimming looking just so they can act like and sound like they know who you are, but they are coming across all of this stuff and they're reading it fast paced. So if you can make their job easier, which in turn may make your transition and your process quicker, just do one-to-one lines and start there. I have to share and shout out this experience that I had because I was trying to figure out how to shorten and make my resume more concise. And I was still knocking on two pages because the experience that I had was relevant to the job and I I couldn't figure out how to put it all in two pages. And this recruiter that I was talking to, I sent her my resume. We were kind of going over it. And she was like, do you mind if I change this? And I said, I sure don't please do. And she concised my resume for me because somehow there was a blockage and I couldn't figure out how to do it. Like I didn't know what information to keep and what to let go of. And she was able to help me do that. And this has been the only recruiter that has ever done this. And she 
concise it for me, put like special skills at the bottom in like a, a color that stood out and stuff and um, just made it more concise. Like we've been talking about, like recruiters are looking through so much information and they're looking for data that stands out. And she was like, okay, this is the one that I'm going to send over to the hiring team. And this is what the range is, but I think we're going to like submit you at the top. And I think it was like a for a contract position or something like that. So it wasn't quote unquote, your traditional full-time um, like employment option, but it still checked all of the boxes that I wanted. So I was open to it. And she was like, so most of our contractors, they eventually get converted over. And when you get converted over, I'm not, I'm going to put you in. So they're not going to ask you for anything less than this. So I'm going to tell them, don't come at her less than such and such. Like when I tell you she's been one of the people, mind you, I didn't even get this job. (laughs) They actually chose somebody else. But she was so, she was such an advocate for women and she was such an advocate for qualified people and making sure that women got what their worth was. And I mean, I I still follow her on like LinkedIn and stuff. (laughs) We still chat and talk, even though I don't work for this company and didn't get that particular job. But I use that resume that she helped me concise to that one page to get the job that I have now. Literally, I think one of the next or a few interviews later is the one that I landed this particular position. And that's because of this conversation that I had talking with someone that's advocating for making sure that you were getting paid what you worth. And that's something that's so important in an experience that I never had prior to this. It brings a light to kind of to circle back to something that Nakai said earlier when she was negotiating. I think something that women aren't maybe as conscious about in the fact, especially Black women, the fact that you're coming from a position where you're only getting paid a certain amount and what they're offering you is more than what you're getting, but it's not quite what works for you. It is not quite what you're worth. The fact that there is kind of like a, a, a disconnect connect or people don't really know what to do with that information is why I think especially black women are even paid less than white women and and white women are women in general we're not paid as much as men we know that we talked about that at the start of the episode thanks to uh, Nay's very articulate definition but that's also one of the things it's like well you know you're you're coming from this we're giving you this so like you should be good right no I'm not (laughs) That's not what I'm worth. That's not what I need. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I am making more than I was. And they just accept what other people deems worthy of them, which is a wild concept. But I think it's so normalized that people don't know any other way. They just know that they're making more than what they did. And that was the goal. So mission accomplished? Question mark? I want to loop back to something Nate asked about generated pay scales. And it goes into what you said, Sunny D, of like asking for what you are worth, but also understanding, quote unquote, a computer, quote unquote, is supposed to tell you how much you're supposed to make, right? And if this was true, then everybody would truly be on the same pay scale, right? Whether you're a man, male, female, black, white, green, blue, yellow. Well, I'm thinking about this because I even think about our last job that we had and they literally, I remember the manager was like, oh, well, we put you in this matrix and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay. But the matrix said this, I'm telling you this because you misrepresented your position when y'all put it up that it was a part-time position, but that's actually full-time. So we need to double what you're, what you're asking me to do. 
One, because your job description doesn't even equate to what the interview description of this job was. So let's look at that first, right? And then I think of like what Nate said of like, how quote unquote biased are they? Because if this was truly computer generated, a computer isn't biased, right? A computer would generate, a computer would do what a computer is supposed to do. You tell it to do something, it produces a, you put input, it comes with an output, right? And so if it's giving you a number, my thought is the biases come from that hiring manager or that HR person that's like, oh, well, if it's spat out $80,000, mm, she's she's a black female, we can give her like, we'll offer 70 and she should be happy with that versus, oh, he's a black I mean, a white male. Oh, we need to get him in. We're going to offer him 95 to make sure he says yes. And then that white man still comes back and counter offer for 100 or 105. And y'all say yes. It's, yeah. What Sunny D said of like, especially if you told them what you're making now, I never, y'all, don't you ever, 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 yo, ever, 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 don't you ever tell them what you are making lie if I don't want to say lie but no it's fabricate at the end of the day if they ask you what you're making now what do you want to make now you tell them that price don't tell them what you are currently making because whatever their offer is going to be based off of that we need to I said this before and I'm gonna keep saying this we got to stop playing checkers in this chess game like we got to learn this game and if you know somebody hey like Nate said in the last episode you could reach out to one of us via our website Instagram TikTok, anything, and we will give you the links. We'll give you everything we know. We're literally education and inspiring y'all, but you got to open your mouth to say it and got to reach out if y'all need the help. I'm on a, I'm going on a tangent, but let me bring it back. <laughs> the generated pay scales. And it's just like that person that's offering the money to you or offer, making you your offer, that's your biased person. So if that person looks at your name and you may have a very uh, ethnic name, hence Nikai, you may think I'm black. You may think I'm Hawaiian. You don't know until you see this last name, which audience, haha, y'all ain't gonna ever get. But um, but that's true. Versus if you see Karen Frazier, you're gonna assume this is a white person until this person come in and you like, shit, she's black. Or, oh, she's of another color. But either way it goes, yep, Sunny D. Um, but either way it goes, like that person is the one that has that biases. Because if we could truly, truly go off computer generated, you put in your requirements you put in all of this, everybody will be on an equal playing field. So it's not the computers, it's the human factor in all of this. And that's what's the frustrating part. This whole situation is frustrating. Like, I just, it's so infuriating when you know that these things are happening and you know that so many people need help and need support and need to be advocated for. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. But I wanted to bring up, because you had mentioned earlier when you're negotiations, Nakai, about your counter offering within the same role or within the same company, rather, for a different role. And I remember when this was so freaking frustrating. I had been with this company almost five years. I come to the realization that my skills are better utilized elsewhere and I'd like to keep my apartment. And I was on the hunt for something bigger and better and different and all the things, right? Mainly survival. Okay, let's be real. Bigger and better equals, you know, 
paying my rent on time. <laughs> and um, I had told my manager that, hey, I wanted to give you a heads up. I'm looking at other options because you girl struggling. I'm looking at other options. And we had a, a rapport that we can kind of be real and, and have these candid conversations or whatever. And I just gave him a heads up and I was like, yo, this is what it is. I haven't accepted anything, but I am actively interviewing. And if and when something comes across, I will let you know. And our home office had actually had a similar position I was looking for, for like the home office version of that position, which I had all this experience doing. And I had applied for that as well. And I let him know. And he was like, okay. And gave me, he was very, very good at bullshitting people. And so I was very aware of the bullshit when he's spewing it to me. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. And it wasn't until I formally gave him my resignation and my notice that this is my last day and I've accepted this position and blah, 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 that he was like, wait, hold up. Did you tell anybody else? And I was like, I have five other letters already ready to go for like our GM and for our VP and like letting all these people know what the deal is that, you know, I worked with on a regular basis. And he was like, well, don't tell anybody. Let me see what I can do. And I'm like, why didn't you do this? months ago when I told you that I was actively looking because you didn't believe me you thought I was bullshit and you believed that I would never leave because I am so good at my job and you depend on me too much and my free lunches would keep me here that's what you thought so now all of a sudden you're surprised and now you're trying to make calls and talk to people and figure out who at home office you can get to come save me to keep me in the company at least so you can still have access because of all the stuff that I know and the stuff that I'm capable of doing. Where was this energy months ago when I told you that I was having issues and I was thinking about moving somewhere else and moving around? You know what I'm saying? So like I eventually had this counter offer come back, but the position that I had originally applied for, mind you, at the top of the year that year, the description changed. And now it's a completely different job. And I'm like, well, that's not what I want to do. That's not what I applied for. And you're also not meeting the meeting or exceeding the offer that I got. So my life last days is 10. And I will gladly train whoever you have to replace me. I don't have a problem with that at all. Because if you would have taken me seriously, then I would have had all those weeks and months to be able to train someone so that they know what to do and all that other kind of stuff and prepare for my absence. And now I have four days to teach somebody four years worth of information. Good luck. <laughs> Bye. Like, I don't understand why management doesn't why they're not involved, mainly because not all managers are great managers. This is what makes a difference between a manager and a leader. When you're not investing and reinvesting into your people. And when the time comes where that person is ready to move on, as opposed to stopping them from doing it or convincing them to stay, being like, okay, I can be your reference. You want me to be, you want me to write you a letter of recommendation? What are you trying to do? Maybe I have contacts in such and such industries or whatever. Like, as opposed to helping these people grow and be better at who they are because you actually care and you're a great leader you're just concerned with well who am I gonna go get to go get my lunch like what y'all gotta come on with it because management leadership management specifically I need y'all to do better because your people are worth it because you're selfish you want to keep your bonus and you don't want to pay people what they're worth and you wonder why quote unquote nobody wants to work nobody wants to work for you the fact that he waited until all of a sudden you turned in to try to do something 
Yeah. Karma. But have y'all heard of something called glass cliff? No. Okay. So imagine being recently, imagine being recently hired into an executive leadership role at a large firm. While you're excited to be a woman in a senior leadership role, you discovered that the organization is in complete disarray. Morale is incredibly low. Turnover and frustration is at an all fucking time high. There has been a history of poor budget management and company profits have reached a hysterical low. Like many ambitious women, we all love a great challenge as it builds character, resilience, and strength. Our crisis management skills are in in effect. Many of us have also learned to accept that no place of employment is perfect. And many positions will come with a little strife, challenges, and possible forces to make a tough sacrifice. However, stepping into an organization that is a precarious position and an example of how Black women are often hired into positions that are designed to fail. So what is the glass cliff, right? The term glass cliff was coined by a social organizational psychologist named Michelle Ryan, and it describes a situation where a woman or person of color is promoted to a senior leadership role during a difficult time and when the risk of failure is high. Michelle Ryan argues that the impact of the coronavirus on this economy, coupled with companies push for diversity, means that women and people of color are more likely to experience the glass cliff. Y'all, I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna say this as nicely as I can because I still work for this company for now. This was me, literally got hired into a shit show. And when I say shit show, I mean, not only was it toxic, not only was it hostile, this, the, the fucking coordinator literally told me on the second day, she didn't know anything about the job posting and that she thought it was nepotism. The reason why I got hired and I'm not qualified. I just looked at her and said, okay, if that's what you think. And then the third day I started to work, right? Told me I can do your job. Okay, cool. My thought, what the fuck God did you put me in is my initial thought. And yes, God and I have a very different relationship. Don't judge me, judge your mama. But I was like, this don't make sense. This ain't, this, this math ain't math thing. What the hell did you put me in? And why is this so toxic? And on top of that, learning the girl don't communicate. She literally shuts down. And when I say shut down, we are in a professional environment dealing with client. You cannot talk to me. You cannot choose to not talk to me when I have a client coming in and you decide, oh, you want to shut down and not respond to me because you need time to process. Bitch, it took you 20 days to process one thing. I have a client right in front of me. So I say that to say this with this glass, I mean, uh, glass clip. It frustrates me. how everyone looks at Black women as the saviors. As everyone looks at Black women as like, oh, we can put them in this position. They're going to clean everything up. And I say that because transparency moment. Shit is getting in line right now. I'm not going to lie about that. Like, you need to communicate. Like, literally... We have, I've literally gotten higher ups involved now because I'm like, this is what we're not going to do. I'm not tolerating this. And I'm not, you not about to push me out because you got some issues that you need to fucking take care of. You need to take a leave of absence because we're not going to work like this. But the thing is, why are we, don't get paid enough for this, right? (laughs) But why are we looked at as the saviors? Why are we, why, who put this cape on us? Yes. The superhero cape on us saying like, oh, you're a black woman. Go in and you can, you can handle this. You can do all this. This? Why? And the work and make things worse, y'all. These were two black women. Yeah. Make it make sense. Somebody. Anybody. God. Nay. Honey D. Help. It don't make sense. And once again, it's not gonna make sense. But for this reason is why Nay has 
two reasons for getting into a job. One, is this a good work environment? Do I feel like I'm going to have fun at this job in this position? Or second option, do I need the experience? Do I need something that this job has to offer that I can get from this job? And then exit stage left with my experience, with my qualifications, with my new job title behind my name. If it ain't one of them two reasons, I'm not taking that job no more. I am done working for companies. Now I'm having companies and agencies work for me. And if you don't work for me, then I'm not there. Like you, we're talking about what we're worth. What is your personhood worth? What is your sanity worth? What is your peace worth? Like somebody's grandmama said, all good money, all money ain't good money. Like just because you're making the money, just because you're in this position, are you slowly dying? to be in this position? Or are you getting something? If you're not getting anything, boo-boo dust off that resume and start looking for jobs because you don't need to be there. I think I got glass clifted in like 2013. <laughs> I'm thinking you gave this whole definition and I'm over here like, wait a minute, is that what happened to me? And I'm pretty sure that's what happened to me. I got, I didn't even, mind you, I didn't even look for this job. I had somebody call me from this company that I had worked with that was in retail. And they were like, oh, so-and-so would be good with this. And I was recommended by one of my old colleagues. And they like offered me the job and I managed this store, like to be the manager of the store. So I'm in charge of hiring and like the payroll and all that kind of stuff. And this was in a struggling mall. This was with a certain amount of hours that let's be real. You can't make a store successful when you only give people a handful of hours and 40 of those off the top belong to your like one and only full-time person because everybody else has to be part-time because you can't pay anybody benefits and all that other stuff, right? And then there's coverage issues. There's talent and training issues and all this other kind of stuff. No wonder the store was struggling like a mofo. They're closed now. But um, <laughs> yo, that's what happened to me. And now I'm retroactively mad about it because I did not know that that was a thing. And I didn't know that that's what was happening to me. And I was also like 25. So like, I was offered to be a manager and you was going to pay me a salary. I was like, cool, sign me up. No, bitch, now I got to go put out a fire on a very regular basis. And that did not work. Now I'm mad about it. That's really good to know because that is a thing that I have seen other people go through. And I know other managers that have taken over shit stores and taken over shitty organizations and, and having to fix everything. We can't be kept to save a hoe all the time. And this strong black woman superhero nonsense that y'all continue to put upon us on a very regular basis, that needs to die. Are we strong women? Yes, absolutely. But when we choose to be, not because that's what you put us as, that is absolute trash. Like I tell my mama, I'm done being strong. I'm soft. I'm softer than cotton, softer than cotton candy. Softer than a baby's bottom. I can't do it. But to keep our listeners from going through their own glass cliffs or to help them with their negotiations or just in general to reduce this pay gap. Ladies, what are some suggestions that you have for the kind folks out in podcast land? One of the things I think that's probably the easiest and the quickest in this age of social media, technology, all the things is there are so many pages and because there are so many pages, you have to like vet actual qualified people and not people just on social media spewing a bunch of BS or just copying what other people copy and they actually have no skill set um, or experience in this. But 
there's a lot of current HR professionals or former HR professionals that have kind of started their own career coaching um, businesses or courses or whatever that actually have the experience in negotiation and how to prepare for new positions and putting yourself out there for candidacy for these roles that people are desiring, even in specific like industries. So you'll have them in tech and you'll have them in um, teaching, you'll have them in, you know, computer software or management or leadership or whatever. They're, they're all over the place, but find someone that you trust, find someone that's vetted and actually skillful at what it is that they do. There's a lot of us of color, a lot of women, especially that are really advocating for people finding their worth and getting paid what they're supposed to be getting paid, you know, advocating for that equality and to shorten that gap as much as possible. So I would do that would be my suggestion is to find these pages. I have some suggestions personally that I've sent to my friends and I'm like, yo, they got some good information. Take what works, leave what doesn't and apply to whatever situations you have. And it makes, I think it makes things a lot easier to process. We'll have this information in the blog for you guys as resources, but that's my, my one thing is to start on the socials, but start on socials that are actually qualified accounts. I'm going to give you a roundabout answer and it's probably not going to start out making sense, but sit on this journey with me. Whenever you get through with your interview, ask to tour the office, building, whatever, in that you will find a couple of things. One, you will see how the people actually feel doing their job. Do they look like they suck? Do they? Do you see people on Instagram? Do you see them on Shein? Do you see Amazon carts up? Like, do they look like they hate their job? Two, what is the environment look like? So let me give you an example. I work with kids in human social services. We have beautiful artwork, vibrant artwork of our kids all around our building. So you'll see that our kids are doing stuff. They're having fun, things of that nature. Is the place stale and and sterile? That might mean that it's going to be boring as heck at the job. If it is, that lets you know, do you want to be on this glass cliff? Or two, do you need to bump up that salary an extra 20K for your mental health and your well-being? So yes, toward the environment so you can see visually and perceptionally with the other people what you're getting in. Another thing that I would also add, I know you said one, but this just came to my mind because Nakai is very smart, is at the end of your interview, when they ask you, do you have any questions for us? Please have questions for them. What is their culture like? What things would you change? What do you like about your job? Those are things that are important also because it does something similar to what Nay said and gives you an idea of what that culture is like and if you want to be a part of it or not. Yes. And for my um, addition, I would say y'all need to look into this service. It's called Rich Girl Resume Services. They are freaking amazing in making sure that your resume is up to date, but also concise and similar to what Sunny D and Nay said earlier about like making sure your resume is not a 18 page letter. It will be bullet pointed to the point. And not only that, but the owner of this service really is um, personable. And she comes to you and asks you like, what is your goal? Like, what's your goal of the job? And something that's similar to Nay, as Nay said, like she doesn't get a job and she don't like it. 
<laughs> like at this point, it's peace over everything. At this point, it's ease over everything. And the beauty of this lady is that she will literally sit down with you. She'll do a consultation. During your consult during your consultation, come prepared. Know exactly some type of guidance to what you want to do, right? So all in all, we'll talk about her probably later. We'll probably have her on a um, podcast. But y'all, make sure that resume is up to date. But also, I mean, these ladies just gave y'all some great advice. Tour the area ask questions and one question that this young lady actually told me to ask from rich girl resume was what does your culture look like and how diverse is it because diversity looks different for everybody and when i was like oh okay y'all already know me i'm inquisitive anyway so i bust out that question in my interviews and they were like oh shit uh yeah okay yeah so really give them questions that are stumped but also here's another question that um sunny d i think actually told me when we when she was going through her job process and i was too was what's the one thing you like about your job and if they can't get that off the top of their head they don't like their job either so with that we always want you all to know as anything and everything we do y'all we want to make sure that first and foremost, y'all have the self-love, the self-belief and self-worth to know you're worth getting that X amount of job you want. You're worth getting and making the money you want. You're worth it. You should know it because we love y'all. And with that, we're going to say a word from our sponsor. Hey, beautifuls. This message is brought to you by The Grass is Greener on the Other Side, where we help women who have anger, sadness, and shame from being cheated on learn how to heal and take their power back so they can regain confidence, restore their peace, and attract the life of their dreams. We can be found on IG at Brianna underscore Latrice. That's spelled B-R-I-A-I-N-A underscore L-A-T-R-I-C-E. And for all of the Where's My Blueprint podcast listeners, we're offering free 15-minute discovery calls. So if you're ready to regain and restore that self-love, self-worth, and self-belief back in yourself, shoot me a DM for a free discovery call today. Because my motto is, honey, leave that cheater and find your peace. If you're interested in joining my new course, Rejection is Redirection, using your past as a reference, not a residence, you can email me at affairrecoverycoach at gmail.com or you can shoot me a dm at brianna underscore latrice see you on the call and so now we're going to transition to our favorite segment moments of melanation moments of melanation moments of melanation is where we highlight a black person doing their thing today for moments of melanation we are highlighting our moment of melanation is Miss Angela Blackwell Glover. Miss Blackwell Glover is founder and resident. Sorry, guys, her name is Angela Glover Blackwell. She is founder and resident at Policy Link, the organization she started in 1999 to advance racial and economic equity for all. Under her leadership, Policy Link gained national prominence in the movement to use public policy to improve access and opportunity for all low income people and communities of color, particularly in the areas of health, housing, transportation, and infrastructure. She is also the host of Radical Imagination podcast and professor of practice at the Goldman School of Public Policy, University of California, 
Berkeley. But not only does she have her own organization, Miss Mams has bona fides, y'all. She serves on numerous boards. She advises the board of governors of the Federal Reserve as one of the 15 men- members in its uh, inaugural community advisory councilor. In 2020, she was appointed by California Governor Gavin Newsom to the state task force on business and job recovery. She's a 2018 recipient of the John W. Gardner Leadership Award. And in 2017, she received the Peter E. Haas Public Service Award for the University of California, Berkeley. Ladies, what y'all think about Miss Mayhems? She has all the receipts, like a long list. I'm talking CVS receipts, okay? One of the things that I love on the Policy Link website, when you're going in, kind of getting more information about what it is that they do, because I found it really fascinating. She defines kind of what they do as this. We define workforce equity as a labor market in which racial income gaps are eliminated. All jobs are good jobs and everyone who wants to work has access to family supporting employment. I mean, period. Because let's be real, people deserve to be able to live. People deserve to have jobs that afford them to be able to take care of their families, to be able to have a roof over their heads, just the bare necessities. Like that's not too much to ask. You know what I mean? And the work that she does helps families that are able to do so be able to, um, but the things that she's able to do is, is help families to be able to close that gap and to find things that work for them. And I absolutely loved how specific this definition is because it's incredibly important. And I mean, kudos to her. She needs to be all over the place and people truly need to know what she does and what the community gets out of her using her as an asset because it's exponential. No, I want to give her her flowers too, because she's in Cali. So if y'all don't know this by now, living in Cali is not cheap. And so when you are creating public policies to improve access for people who, yes, all low income people nationwide, but specifically in California, she's changing lives y'all. Because I think it was like around COVID times um, when I was in Cali too, they were saying like the low, low income in California is like, if you don't make $75,000, that's your low income. So think about that. If you're in the health and services um, sector or if you're in retail, some of these jobs don't even, you you won't even pay. You won't even get paid minimum 50000 a year to 60000 And when you think about that in Texas, you're not low income if you make sixty or seventy in Texas. But in California, to make $75,000, you're considered low income. These, these are huge issues that I'm excited that she's tackling. And I just want to say, girl, kudos to you, especially in housing and transportation like kudos keep fighting keep doing what you do and we just want to say we congratulate you and with that we are going to transition into our affirmation for this episode so i will now say our affirmation by the poet laureate I call the shot like bra, bra, bra. Pay me what you owe me. Don't act like you forgot. Better have my money. And that is from, like I said, the poet laureate, Robin, Rihanna. Well, Rihanna, because Black folks don't pronounce her name correctly. Fenty, from her hit song, B Word, Better Have My Money. Bitch, better have my money. And I just want, I hope, Sunny, to you about to sing this song. Listen, when I tell y'all this was my theme song, when I was going through all these interviews, I would play it before my interview. I would play it when I was preparing because bitch better have my money. And I mean that. 
All of it. And y'all know I love Rihanna. So listen. Oh, this song is amazing. It will be in the blog. I will beg you adieu and not sing it to you. So guys, you know, we come up with all of the content, but this is y'all's podcast too, uh, to some extent. So please, if you have any other topics that you want us to delve more into, any topics you want to hear our takes on, because you know, we keep it popping hot out for here. Email us at wmbpod at protonmail.com or hit up that little drop box on our website at where's my blueprint podcast. Once again, you can email us at wmbpod at protonmail.com or drop us a little comment, a little note, a little suggestion at wheresmyblueprintpod.com. And as Nay said, go ahead and go to wheresmyblueprintpod.com. Check out her, all her Nay save, her stories. Y'all can follow us and hear this episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Amazon, Google Podcasts. And check us out on social media. Comment with us. We want to know your thoughts. And with that, we thank you and we are over now. Bye. Peace out.